So this is James McLeod, um, Director of Community at the FinTech Open Source Foundation, um, otherwise known as FinOS. And actually, myself and Nick Colbert have just come off of our first um, virtual uh, meetup that we've recorded um, online. Um, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon, Nick. Hey, thank you, James. Uh, it's a pleasure. So that was awesome. I was actually really um, surprised by the the positive uptake of people who jumped onto that webinar. I mean, what what are your feelings about it? How do you feel feel it went? Uh, well, I feel it went uh, pretty well, considering that as I was telling you earlier, my machine decided to install a lot of updates last night. Um, so yeah, I feel yeah, there were some good questions. And uh, I think that it's a really exciting time for this project because we've just ratified the first update to it since it, the first version came out. And, and there's a lot of really cool stuff in the update that it, the community was asking for and that I think we've worked out uh, uh, good things for. That's absolutely brilliant. And um, as you know, the, the webinar was um, a brief 30 minutes. We did go a little bit over because there were a lot more questions than we actually anticipated. Um, but now we get a, get a chance to talk a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you're, you're speaking about this topic. Sure. Um, so I've been leading FTC3 from its inception, but um, I really uh, been involved in the areas of app interoperability uh, in earnest since about 2006. Uh, that's when I began working on the platform that would become Refinitive Icon, and and there was, and I was coming from the web side of the house, and there was a, a lot of uh, interest in how do we uh, transform and modernize this old uh, C++-based uh, desktop, super thick desktop platform. Um, and so that's when I really began uh, looking at how do we uh, uh, leverage web within the desktop. And a key part of that was interoperability. So for somebody who doesn't, you know, understand interoperability or, you know, the open source project, um, can you kind of explain that a little bit more for me? So for the, the non-engineering um, members of FinOS. Yeah, so um, interoperability is a, a pretty broad term in general, but what it, um, what it really, you know, you're talking about two different systems being able to uh, interact with each other and work as one in in situations. Um, and what why that's really important for things like digital transformation is that if you have effective uh, means of interoperability, you can uh, bring legacy applications forward into modern uh, formats without having to fully rewrite them. Um, so, uh, case in point, um, one of the first interoperability programs I, I, I worked on, we had the corporation I was at, we had a, uh, a company we had acquired, uh, at, for quite a large price tag. Um, and this company had been told that they needed to integrate with the flagship product. And in order to do that, they would need to rewrite their entire application 
front to back, move over all their data centers, rebase everything on a completely different technology set. It would have cost uh, millions and millions of dollars taken a couple of years, which is a real huge opportunity cost. And probably all the original people in that acquisition would have left the company. Uh, so this is an example of when you want to, um, you know, you don't have a system for interoperability. So the only choice is to put everything into the same monolith. Um, what we did with the interoperability platform I had built was that we were able to create a, um, a essentially good enough integration with that application without changing it at all, and to do that within a month. So, so those are really big difference, big differences in outcomes that can happen uh, uh, when you engage with the concept of interoperability to allow things to move on parallel tracks, but be able to talk to each other. So that's great. So bearing in mind the um, engineering advantages of um, interoperability within digital transformation, can you tell me why FTC3 is so important? Yeah, so FTC3 it's, it is something that really, for the first time creates a standard for different uh, components or applications that are at runtime existing in the same space for the end user to talk to each other. Um, now there's been attempts at this in the past and there's been, there's some there are a number of proprietary systems to do this, but always with those proprietary systems, you have to be within that system to leverage that interoperability. Um, so by creating a standard for this, we really uh, changed the paradigm that where um, any, anyone within finance can participate in this without having to be inside of a specific platform to do so. So um, during your presentation, you walked us through FTC 3.1.1. Can you tell us what the rest of 2020 looks like um, for FDC 3 1.1 and beyond? Yeah, so FDC 3 1, 1 beyond, right, um, is going to be really focused on a few uh, major things. Uh, so the first area is going to be data. And this means, first and foremost, enabling data intents for FTC3. So today, um, you can raise an intent and route um, an instrument to a chart, right? Um, but what would be really great is if you could raise an intent with a symbol and route it to receive a quote back for the symbol, or raise an intent for an RFQ in order to issue an RFQ and receive a confirmation back. Um, and so that allows FTC3 to really get deeper into workflows of high business value. Um, another key area we're gonna be looking at is expanding the definition around the app directory. So the app directory standard within FTC3 sets up some basic 
um, interfaces for what uh, app stores can look like across different platforms. Uh, where we want to see that expanded is in um, how we can handle, you know, much richer features in those platforms, such as uh, relationships between applications, um, as well as really making it easier for people to implement that part of FTC3, which is, I would say, quite nebulous right now. And then finally, we really want to improve uh, the tooling around FTC3 in order to accelerate adoption. So you definitely see being a standards group where we aren't directly creating code for people to use, we, uh, it creates a gap and for uh, people to get started. And so while we may still not do the code within FTC3 itself, uh, we definitely wanna see uh, a, a greater uh, sort of ecosystem support for code that's open source and available to help people just get running with FTC3. So um, I know being the director of community at Finos that the uh, all of the project teams who work within the FTC3 program work extremely hard. Um, so from that point of view, can you explain to me why um, firms should actually adopt FTC3 as an interoperability standard? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so firms should adopt FTC3 for the following reasons. Number one, it's easy to implement FTC3. That's that's the first reason. FTC3 has been designed to be uh, simple and that you can come in at sort of any level that you wish. So it's, it's designed for incremental rollout, uh, especially within legacy systems and the like. Uh, number two is that um, the, the ROI for developer productivity is huge. Um, so you have within FTC3 IP developed by top people in this field um, who have thought about this problem for a lot, uh, for a long time and debated it for, as I was saying, two years plus uh, to produce uh, a very solid pattern for doing interoperability. So it's free, why not pick up and use that? And in fact, we see that happening across many banks where they're just picking up FTC3, adopting it internally within their uh, app systems. Um, three, uh, there are huge benefits for end users. So um, uh, as I hope we saw in the demo, the you have this greatly improved UX um, you can uh, that allows end users to sort of dynamically link context between applications and, and these very complicated workflows and that eliminate things like rekeying, rekeying errors and um, allow for uh, a lot of kinds of integrations and connections that maybe we haven't even imagined yet. Um, and, and so, uh, I would say those three reasons alone are really powerful reasons just to use FTC3 now, but then going forward, there's um, a network effect reason that as more um, 
applications are using FTC3 out of the box, you're going to see that by just putting your application on FTC3, um, it will just be able to go onto a desktop and work with a whole number of things without any additional developer effort on your part. So this afternoon during the the, the Finos uh, FTC3 1.1 um, webinar, you actually demonstrated a Chrome extension that you've um, created um, to kind of increase the rate of innovation and also the rate of development. Can you tell me how this will help developers who would like to join the FTC3 team? Yeah, absolutely. So the I created the Chrome extension because um, I wanted to uh, create a, a very simple way for developers to just play around with FTC3 and get started and see some of the code and to make it a lot more accessible in that way. Um, so I think there are really um, four key uh, values here for that Chrome extension. Um, one, you can just open Chrome and start playing. As you saw, I was able to just open up the dev tools and start uh, working with FTC3 APIs in you know, the, 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 app, the application Chrome that I use every day anyway. Um, two is that if you have an existing web application, you can just plug it into FTC3 and demo it in you know, a trivial amount of time. That becomes very, very easy to do you don't need to um, consider anything else about what platform you're going to run on, what that API looks like, what windowing methods you're going to use, anything like that. You just use it already where it exists. Um, uh, the third thing is it becomes really easy uh, for people like myself or others working on the FTC3 standard to prototype and you know the behaviors and patterns that we're talking about as we debate things like the APIs. Um, I used this in the 1.1 development very effectively to say, hey, um, we're considering implementing channels this way. I was able to go and quickly model it within the extension project, see how it works, show it to other people, and then uh, you know decide from there rather than it being uh, an abstraction. And then finally, another benefit is in the app directory, which is kind of like the hidden part of that demo that I didn't talk about much, but that uh, demo is connecting to a live app directory that is uh, on the web and is, you know, publicly readable. Um, and that app directory contains a number of demo applications like the channel manager, like the, um, one of the charts we saw that uses a trading view widget um, and like that uh, grid uh, that we saw as well that just kind of come pre-wired with FTC3 so that people can have some things to integrate with out of the box, either to just test out FTC3 on their side or to actually use in demos to uh, discuss it with, uh, you know, internally and to show the value internally. So I know, uh, being director of community at Finos, that um, open source teams uh, welcome new contributors with open arms. 
Can you tell me how new contributors can get involved with FDC3? Yes. Um, so that is very, very easy to get involved with FDC3. Uh, there's a number of different channels you can use, and you can use as many of them as you want or as few of them. Um, you can, uh, everything related to FTC3 is easily findable on GitHub in the uh, Finos GitHub, which is just, you know, GitHub Finos slash FTC3. Um, and so you can reach out there. Uh, you can also email FTC3 at finos.org and uh, the, the group there is quite responsive to inquiries and you can just come to meetings. Uh, there is a, uh, there are two running work, sorry, three running working groups uh, today. There's the API working group that looks at both the client API as well as app directory. There is a context data intense working group um, that looks at standardizing uh, those formats. And then there's a use cases working group. Those meet typically once a month on a Thursday um, at usually 10 a.m. EST. So it's very easy to, you can just show up to a meeting um, and, and learn and get involved. Um, and then finally, you can always reach out to myself or to Rico Eckstein or uh, Johan Sanderson. They're all uh, uh, established leaders within this group. Um, and we are we're happy to um, help get you oriented. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, and I'd like to note that um, people can also go to finos.org where we have a get involved page where um, all of our various different um, projects are, are called out, including FDC3. Okay, um, so this comes brings me over to some community questions that we had. So the, the webinar itself was um, very busy um, and we actually had a lot more questions than we um, thought that we would get. And so we weren't able to answer all of them. And so this um, particular question comes from Malcolm, uh, who asks, um, sorry, I'm brand new and shiny to this and um, learning, so it might be a daft question. So with that as, as a disclaimer, um, is uh, FDC3 um, a message bus, bus for the desktop only, or do you see any server comms making use of this as payload data scheme? Right. Um... So the um, implementation that FTC3 is sort of assumed uh, is the message bus implementation. That said, there's, this is, uh, the standard doesn't dictate message bus versus, um, you know, client server uh, implementation. So uh, there's no reason why one couldn't build a server-based implementation as well. And as a follow-up question, um, also by, by Malcolm, is there a volume that the bus can cope with? Is there an upper limit? Um, so FDC3, so when you're passing data um, through FDC3 or using it as um, the interoperability standard, um, is there kind of a, a maximum volume um, that you can actually use pass data across it? Or does that not actually come into the standard at all? Yeah, so um, the standard of FTC3 doesn't address uh, volume uh, of data or messages. Uh, 
that would be an implementation specific detail. Uh, that said, uh, the most of the use cases that the standard has looked at in FTC3 so far have not been high volume use cases. There are things that are prompted by end user actions, raising intents or joining a channel or broadcasting context. Um, so uh, FTC3 has not uh, been looked at as a uh, mode for pushing, for example, real-time data um, as such. So not, not that it couldn't be, but uh, the, those are not use cases that have been uh, considered uh, yet. Okay, and I would assume that's also the same with latency as well. It almost um, comes under the same question. It's not something that the, that, that the standard, you know, applies. Um, that, that was um, another question that was asked by Malcolm, but I, I guess that's yeah. kind of coming from that, you know, server, you know, side and data side, but this isn't something that um, FDC3 actually, you know, needs to um, specify. Yeah, it doesn't specify or weigh in on that. And now, the good thing about it not specifying is that if you want to do that, it's not telling you you can't. So, um, okay. So that's brilliant. So um, lastly, I'd like to thank you for your involvement both in um, our webinar today um, and also in the recording of this podcast. Um, on behalf of Finos, uh, myself, and also the you know Finos members and Finos community and the wider open source community, thank you very much, Nick Colber, for your time today um, and for taking us through FDC 3.1.1 and beyond. Thanks a lot, James. I really enjoyed it and uh, appreciate uh, you putting this together. Our pleasure. Thank you very much.